0: Stuart, are you still, uh, uh-huh. experimenting with another cold's medicine? Oh, it's nighttime, honey. Where's the NyQuil? I took this, but <coughs> I'm still coughing, aching, fever. But NyQuil relieves your sniffling, sneezing, and stuffy head, plus coughs, aches, and fever, all so you can rest. Are you resting now?
1: Uh-uh. Oh. NyQuil, the nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, aching, stuffy head fever, so you can rest medicine. From Vicks, of course. Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves.
0: Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi, Shannon. Shannon.
1: Hi, I'm Erin, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi, Erin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Book Hoarders Anonymous. I've lost track of what number of episode this is. Uh, 23, 24? I don't remember either. I think it's 23. Okay. Well, anyway, it's May. It's springtime. <laughs> it's beautiful here in it North is. Carolina. How is it in Seattle? Oh, well, it's cloudy today, but well, it's not. it's not cold. That's good. That's good. <laughs> that is very good. And have you been doing a lot of wonderful reading? Um, I have, I've been
0: doing a lot of rereading this, this Mm -hmm. month. Um, and and I've, I've actually gotten kind of stalled (laughs) on -hmm. several different books, Uh, (laughs) but, uh, let's see. I did, I, I read the first two of S.M. Sterling's, um, Emberverse books, which I, which are, I think are really awesome. They're, um... The the basic premise is that one day, like technology, just stops working completely, mm-hmm. and and everybody is plunged back into the stone age, and um, they are not. Um, let's see how to put this. Like, I I disagree with people that say the writing's bad, but it's like it. They're they're fun. They're fluffy. I don't mm-hmm. think you're supposed to be like yes, this is how life would seriously happen. And they're, like, they're the kind of post-apocalyptic stuff I like because even though there's violence, it's all, like, a lot of the first book is about how these people kind of make communities and, and oh, cool. you know, then it's so exciting because the harvest comes and they can have, like, feasts and, you know, when I was reading Laura Ingalls Wilder, that's the thing I always liked, is <laughs> feasting. all the, the rich
1: descriptions of the food that I'm not eating. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> um, you know, they kind of sound like the Terry Blackstock, um, what was it? like last light books or first light, or whatever it was called, where um all of a sudden, like airplanes and cars and electricity and all that stuff stopped working, and all the people were plunged into i don't know like eighteen hundreds where they were using horse drawn carriages again and and stuff like that, except for she gets all preachy in her books, and that got irritating, yeah, uh, and these, so maybe these these don't do that, maybe I ought to try things. these are much less preachy they're i don't necessarily
0: um think that he that he's right about all the things he thinks are going to happen because like um the the series antagonist in the first trilogy which there are like a million books in the series and i've only ever read the first three but i was rereading them because i'm like i should keep going (laughs) um but the main protagonist or the main antagonist is like This guy who was a medieval history professor and also part of the Society for Creative Anachronisms. Well, (laughs) he just fit right in. All the people that survive are the ones that had hobbies like blacksmithing. And so it totally feels like like a big love letter to S.M. Sterling's wife. It's like, honey, this is why my weekends are not spent in... Activities that seem pointless to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that that's really what happened, but that's what I like to think mm-hmm. <laughs> that he was doing. Um, and then, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, another really. I read a couple of, of short nonfiction books that I thought were fun. Um, I read "Cheaper by the Dozen" by Frank Gilbreth, mm-hmm. um which I thought I had seen the movie. But I don't think that's the movie I saw. I think the cheaper. I think the movie I saw with lots of kids that I remember vividly was actually her, "Yours, Mine, and Ours" with Lucille Ball in it. <laughs> and uh, that's. It's. I mean, it's about like large families with children, but it's different. <laughs> right. Uh, but cheaper by the dozen is just this like. It it it's short. It's cute. It's nostalgic in a way that's, like, not all about how, like, life was so much better back in 1924. Right. Um, and, and, you know, like, the, the, it was, you know, this, this, like, huge family. They had 12 kids, and it was all about their dad, who was quite a character. And, um, you just know that in the movie, he was (laughs) probably pretty awesome. Um... And then the other nonfiction book I read was called um, Adulting, which I was which I catalogued at work and then I was like, what is this about? <laughs> the, the whole title is called Adulting How to Be a Grown Up in 467 Easy Ish Steps. <laughs> Easy ish. Ish. By by Kelly Williams Brown. And it started out as a blog. Mm-hmm. I think that it's like adultingblog.com. And I found it and it was it looks it looks pretty Like, she hasn't updated it in a while. But I kind of got the impression that what she did was basically convert all the blog posts into, like, little sections for this book. Right. And and organize them. And, like, I liked it because it turns out that I'm actually pretty okay at being an adult <laughs> but, like we all <laughs> probably have steps that we need to work on oh sure <laughs> but like and the author like acknowledges she's like i'm not very good at some of this stuff either <laughs> and and that was like and some of this stuff is really hard and you're not going to do it all at once and so it was it was it didn't feel like a self-help book um and it was it was like in this light breezy style, and there were a lot more f words than I was expecting, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see. Then the, I'm re- right now. I'm reading um, the first book in James S.A. Corey's Expanse series, which is um, sci-fi space opera, and uh, it was the the description I saw. Did not make me want to read it because it's like they people were describing it as game of Thrones in space <laughs> <laughs> um but so far there has been um like not a lot of random pointless like not necessary rapes, so that's good, I'm good. Um, <laughs> but basically it's uh, like humanity has has left earth and they've colonized all the planets in the like you know the the near us in the solar system and there and and also like the asteroid belts and um there there are tensions between the people that are like on the planets and the people on the belts that mm-hmm. do like all the mining and hard work and had basically had to adapt to a whole other way of being that the people on the planets don't really understand and and it starts out with this girl that's gone missing and and um the the two protagonists there's one guy who's kind of a um, like he's a he works on a on a spaceship that hauls like freight across the the solar system or whatever and and then the the other guy is a uh um a police detective that's looking for this missing girl, and they're both like really good foils for each other. And, um, I'm, I'm not done with it. I've got, like, a little bit, maybe halfway through. I know I'm, like, it's, um, I'm, I'm listening to it via Audible on the stream, which means that, like, they won't let you divide the books into, like, separate folders in in your Audible section, which makes me a little irritated. But, um so it's like i'm on i'm 60% of the way through file 2 of 3 wow. <laughs> so i don't really know what that means as far as how much more book i have to read <laughs> cuz that would involve math but um and it's also on bard but i it's uh, the bard narrator is is jim zeiger and i just don't think he's that good mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, i i decided to splurge and get the um the commercial version because at least that guy doesn't Every time he has a female character, doesn't do that thing where he raises his voice and it sounds like Minnie Mouse, <laughs> <laughs> which is what Jim Ziger was doing. It was yeah, yeah, he kind of does that. Up. He does that. <laughs> it, it,
1: it does get irritating unless you unless you kind of get used to it. And
0: there is also like like there's there's a way that some people read that's just sort of like I am reading you a story right now, yes. and this is my reading aloud voice and. And, and yeah. what I like about a lot of commercial narrators is that mm-hmm. they have trained that impulse out of the good the, ones.
1: Yeah, they have. Uh, there was this, um, I was reading this book of Ray Bradbury's short stories during the readathon, and I didn't finish it because part of the reason why I did not finish it was because the narrator was doing that, and it was very irritating. Oh! <laughs> oh my goodness! And, and there's only so much, like, speeding up of your
0: reading app that you can
1: do to make that... They were good stories, but my goodness, she was doing that, and I was just so. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Let's see. And then, am I reading anything else interesting right now? I'm reading. Oh, um, I my at work we're doing a book club, and we're reading all the President's Men, mm-hmm. which is of course the famous book about the Watergate investigations, right. and. Um, I don't, like, it's been interesting so far. It's the kind of book that I've been reading it, like, as my bedtime book, which means that by the time Book Club comes around, it's going to be, I'll yeah. be like, well, I don't know, that might have been the part I slept through. Right. right. I can't, but it's so, there there's so many people involved in that whole thing, and I can't keep any of them straight.
1: Yeah, I get it. I, I, I bet there were. Let's see. What have I been reading? Um, Nothing about the president, but let's see. Um, Well, I was reading um, a book that was recommended to me by – well, it was recommended to by someone on the DB review list, and I picked it up because um, it just sounded – Well, interesting and and sort of funny, and it was, Um, it was called "So Enchanting" by Connie Brockway, and I've never read this author before, Um, but it was it was a romance, and it had like this paranormal element to it, uh, which made me pick it up because I generally don't read romance otherwise. Um, And it was it was about uh, this woman who can like communicate with animals, but she doesn't let anyone know that, and she falls in love with this with this guy, and she's keeping her ability secret. And there's this this other romance that's involved and this other mystery element to the whole plot. Uh, meanwhile, she and this girl that she's a governess for are kind of like exiled to Scotland. And this is in the 1870s, I think, where uh, everyone thinks that somehow the girl that she's a governess for, ironically, they all think she's a witch uh, for some reason that I won't go into, uh, when it turns out she's really not and um it's just there's like a lot of humor and it's really just funny uh funny parts to it uh some very serious parts too and um very very fast paced very short chapters uh and very you know like fast moving book um there are a couple of sexually explicit scenes in there so if that sort of thing bothers you you might want to you know skip this one but um i found it i found it very uh engaging and fast moving and um a lot of you know spicy dialogue. It was it was quite it was quite uh, you know quite quite interesting for you know eighteen seventies eighteen eighties eighteen eighties kind of thing. Um, it was good. Um, I liked it for a nice sort of like cozy cotton candy kind of read. Uh, then let's see what else did I read? Um, I read a couple of Star Trek books for no other reason that I wanted. Oh, some cotton candy reading, kind of at the begin- towards the beginning of the month, uh, and um, one of them was called the Great Starship Race. It was by Diane Carey, and this uh, alien civilization wanted to join Starfleet, and they had this big, well, starship race. Like, like I'm, I mean, it was sort of like horse racing, but with starships. It was kind of weird. in In order to see who would, if they would join the the federation or not and so all these planets got their biggest starships in there and they all had this big race and the romulans wanted to join and oh my goodness should we let the romulans in and is this some kind of big romulan plot and it turned out it really well i won't spoil it but it turned out not to be as big of a romulan plot as everyone thought uh and it turned out that uh you know the matter was taken care of in typical swashbuckling star trek style and uh, that was a pretty fun fast read i think Um, It was a bard read, and I think it was Bob Askey who was narrating it, which, of course, is just tremendous fun all around. Uh, And then the next thing I read, um, I read... Ooh. Um, I love that
0: motorcycle that just ran right by my window. Yeah,
1: Um, I read an author that I'd never heard of before until this past month, and then I found him uh, based on a book review of yours on the DB Review List. Uh, Charles DeLint, uh, Promises to Keep yes um i wish there were more of his books on bard that were based on too. jill <laughs> coppercorn um the good ones are not there yet yeah um i really enjoyed that book i thought it was i thought it was good but i i want more of them i think that there were probably there is like a lot more that he's got to say about her that is not there um no, the, yeah. the, and the, and all the, the, it's frustrating to me because every
0: time I go to, to recommend like the good Newford books, I have mm-hmm. to check on Bard and, and <laughs> I yeah. keep noticing that, that my favorites are still not there, still not <laughs> there. Still um, not there. Still not there. Still not there. <laughs> one and, very, oh, so go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, since like Charles DeLint is one of my favorite authors, what's really frustrating is that like, um, I don't know what he's written lately, but but it seems like the last few books of his I've read have been like um, sort of like less interesting retreads of stuff he's done before. Mm-hmm. So, like one of the things I was doing, I've been I've been reading the, the Little Country, which was the first Charles DeLint book I ever read, and I've been rereading it in braille and taking my sweet like I feel like I'm kind of stalled out on that one too, like because I just like. I I am enjoying it so much but I've like I've read it before so it's like hmm I'm just there's no real tension I'm (laughs) (laughs) like I know how this ends but like and then then like you know I read Promises to Keep which I did like um, although I think it would have been like I think it it does help if you've read some of the other books that came before it because then you're like who are these people and why did we just spend a whole chapter about the Grasso Street Angel who never shows up again (laughs) um but uh but then like i read dingo by him earlier this month and that's a young adult book and it was basically mm-hmm. a young adult retread of some place to be flying which is an infinitely better book and not on bard mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is my charles de Lynn rant
1: uh, well you know i don't know i i enjoyed it but it was kind of like I'm not really big into books that like are in the present. Then they go into the past. Then they go back into the present. Then they go into the past. I'm kind of like, make up your mind, stay in one place, right? (laughs) You know. So you know, uh, there was that. They kind of took took away from the. From the enjoyment for me, but that's just a you know that's just an opinion of mine. Other than that, I thought it was I thought it was really enjoyable. Um, Good. Another book that I read it was a young adult book also. It was called Proxy by Alex London, and this was a sci-fi book in the far future, kind of like dystopian society. Uh, America, if we want to call it that now, is like run by corporations, and it's kind of weird. Um, everything is very. Society is very uh, structured in a very sort of like social manner. I mean, the social classes are even farther apart than they are now. And it's so hierarchical in a sense that, I mean, children are, you know, the wealthy children have proxies to stand in for them to do all the distasteful things that they shouldn't have to do, all down to even getting punished. So, the proxies oh. even take their punishments, for instance, uh, and we see what happens when a proxy gets himself into a bind and needs help from his um, you know from the the kid that he's attached to, basically um, the wealthy child that he takes the punishments for and he knows who it is um, the well the kid doesn't know who his proxy is, but the proxy finds him because um, he's good at messing with technology and gadgets and things and he finds him and it turns out the kid is the wealthy kid that he's attached to has gotten himself into a bit of a jam and they end up helping each other out um and it, it ends in this kind of like heart-rending touching way and they end up hopefully like doing a bit of good for society you don't really know because it ends in one of those sort of like ambiguous kind of ends. Mm-hmm. could be happy could be sad we're not really sure kind of irritating but that's Hopefully the way. don't
0: be a sequel yeah
1: i don't know cuz like one of the main characters dies and so we're kind oh. of like i'm not going to tell you which one in case you decide to read the book but um you kind of know kind of at the beginning of the book that not everyone's going to make it so That's not technically a spoiler but um anyway at the um, at the end we're kind of like hmm i don't know but um you know there are people There are some people trying to, you know, other than those two kids who are in the book that that hopefully, you know, they'll do a sequel and these people will show up again and maybe they'll do some good and make things better. Uh, And then for my nonfiction read of the month, using Voice Dream, which really screwed up my iPhone and for some reason really does weird things with voicemail on your phone Oh, weird! It's real That's... strange. It's like once I use VoiceStream, if I go to play my voicemail messages, my voicemail messages won't play. I have to reboot. Oh, but... I have to reboot my phone in order to get my voicemail to play. It's weird. Weird. Anyway, um, totally. Side note there. Uh, I read the Unitarian Universalist Pocket Guide. Wow, fascinating reading. <laughs> But I decided I wanted to get to know a little bit about um, what this religion was about and how long it had been around, etc. And so I read that uh, and um, read that with Voice Dream on my lunch breaks at work because the articles were pretty short and they didn't last long. And each article was about, I don't know, 10 minutes on Voice Dream, slightly sped up. And that was about the length. That's about the length of my lunch break, 10 to 15 minutes. So it fit in pretty nicely. And that those are my reads for the month. Oh I was also going to tell you that I um <clears throat> after your your uh
0: talking last month about um the Rachel Higginson book I mm-hmm. went and got it. Oh. Oh yeah. What did you think um, of it? I haven't read it. But I did like I I like it looks really good and then it looks like she also has like a really massive backlist of other things. Like, she has a serial that seems to be about vampires, and it's young adults, and I don't, I don't really know. I can't remember what it's called, but it also looked interesting. So, I'm, I'm excited to read it, I just haven't gotten to it yet.
1: <laughs> hmm, that does sound interesting. I'll have to check it out, because I haven't read anything else of hers other than that, you know, what I told you about. So, yeah, Awesome. <laughs> So let's see, listener mail, um, oh, as yes. we check out the format a little bit, there is no listener mail except for a message from Mia. Mia tells us in her oh so succinct way that she has something to tell us about James Brown. And that's it. And that's it. <laughs> Wonderful listener mail from Mia Hosinko. Thank you for the spam, Mia. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Um, and wow! woohoo! Yeah. exactly i feel so good after hearing that <laughs> me too um and then we have a blog post uh comments on our podcast concerning heart humor and slap fights uh from john who says he really enjoyed the slap fights in that podcast we should have more of them here john you've been slapped Um, that was a fun podcast and uh, thank you John for listening and thanks to everyone for all of the comments uh, if you make them and um, keep them coming of course we will tell you how to make comments at the end of the podcast and um, we really appreciate all the comments that do come in and also for all the book suggestions that do come in we will consider every one of them that we get thank you so much Um, and let's see, where do we go now? Ah, the recent book news that we don't have much of. No, it's weird. It's kind (laughs) of, it's kind of like, you know, a slow month. Um, (laughs) but, uh, NASA has, has, uh, produced a free ebook on decoding extraterrestrial messages. Because uh, why not? Because why not? <laughs> what the heck, right? Apparently, they have sifted through a whole bunch of archaeological evidence and put together what they think extraterrestrial messages might look like. Your tax dollars at work, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yep, and you can download this free ebook from Amazon or Kindle or ebooks <laughs> or pretty much anywhere you want. And, and then you should tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, tell us about you it. 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 See if it's any good. If you read it, I personally have no interest in looking at it. But apparently, it's out there, and you can read about it uh, in the article that we post on in the show notes. That article actually has some other news stories kind of in it. Uh, the first paragraph, though, is about the NASA ebook.
0: And speaking of ebooks, Amazon <laughs> um, was was. Doing, being, being kind of naughty, and I don't really understand, like, how this started, but apparently it's been having some, some differences of opinion with Ashed, which publishes a lot of different things, including Ashet audiobooks. Yes. Um, and, and so as print, or as Amazon has these feuds with the publishers, <laughs> the
1: books disappear. Well, they don't actually disappear, but the shipping gets delayed. And so if you order a book that has been published by Ashet or Little Brown or any of these other publishers that they are feuding with, for whatever reason, I don't know why these feuds are occurring, but they are, uh, your shipments could be delayed by as long as two to three weeks. And these feuds, uh, these delays are occurring in other countries other than just the U.S. They're occurring in Germany and Great Britain and All over the world, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, And incidentally, the new Robert Galbraith book, J.K. Rowling, The Silkworm, just came out recently. And it is published by Little Brown and Company, I do believe. And so that one, if you have ordered it, could be impacted by these delays. Just be prepared. Yes. Be prepared. Meanwhile, to occupy your time, if you're so upset that you can't get The Silkworm or whatever book you have... Pre-ordered, and you want to go out and um, I don't know, take your mind off your troubles, pay a visit to Ray Bradbury's old house. His house, fantastical stories, is yours or could be for just one point five million dollars out in California, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure you've got that in your couch cushions. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you've got all that money floating around. His wife has put the house up for sale, and it is a four-bedroom house, quite nice, I guess, with lots of windows, and a nice big basement, which she says they built especially to house the things that he would not throw away, as well as an office for him to do his writing in. Apparently, he wrote, Fahrenheit 451 in a library where he could rent typewriters for 10 cents an hour. However, after he wrote that and got a little money under his belt, he wanted an office where he could do his writing, and that is what they built in the 1960s when they got that house. And uh, so, if you want to uh, purchase that, uh, just 1.5 mil, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty uh, much what our news has been this month, ladies and gentlemen, much. no big deal. I was going to say that we should talk about, um,
0: since since you brought it up on Twitter yesterday, about Sarah Douglas, the the author that you like. Oh, yeah.
1: I found this out by accident. Um, And it's not really news, because it happened in 2011. But I found it out by accident. (laughs) And I cried when I found it out. Because for me, it was recent news. Um, Sarah Douglas is an author, and an an Australian author, who has written some quite, I think it's good fantasy. Um, There are some holes in it such as flying people and flying and people are not aerodynamic by any stretch of the imagination. So how could they fly? Uh, But uh, it's fantasy. So yeah, and they have magic and stuff. So that's how they do it. Uh, Anyway, um, I enjoyed I've read three books of hers. And the the series that I have read part of is called the Wayfarer Redemption series. And I really enjoyed it. The part of it that I read, she's one of my favorite fantasy authors based on the first three books of the series. It could be terrible The rest of the books could be terrible i don't know, but the first three were great um, what are I, they about they're I found out in two thousand and eleven that she died of ovarian cancer, but I just found out yesterday, so for me it's recent news anyway right. um they are about um this this um all these socii- these um three different peoples live in this this world of it's called ten sender and um there are the farmers the I guess like they live in the the country of Achar, I guess you would say, and then there's the um, the forest people, the the Avar, and then there are the Icarites who live in the mountains, and there are the flying people um, that that have enchanters and like you know magical beings, and these these people have wings and stuff, uh, and so anyway, um, this this uh, um. Prophecy has said that there's this destroyer in the north who is going to come and, like, destroy the the southern lands, which are where all these three different peoples live. And they basically live and all in sort of, like, separate from one another and all in animosity with each other. And they all have to band together to destroy this destroyer creature and all of his armies and evil beings that he's bringing down with him. And um, they all hate each other. <laughs> so how are they going to you know band together and destroy each other and and meanwhile the 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 farmer people who look a lot like us um in other words like human people um they they worship this oh gosh i don't know um how to explain it this this um it's all about this one this the series centers around this one guy who thinks that he's like born of them when in fact he's actually one of the flying people and finds out that he uh, actually has all these magical powers, um, and um, it's really kind of cool. Uh, and his um, the woman that he ends up uh, ends up marrying, I guess you would say, discovers that she actually um, was um, born of the people who could fly as well, although she wasn't raised by them, and she. Um, They have to, you know, figure out exactly who they are and what their powers are and how they can band all the people together in order to, like, fight the destroyer and all this kind of thing. Um, And there are some other forces at work and other people that have their own powers that come into play. And I've only read the first three books, so I don't know how the whole series, you know, ends Um, But it was really it was really good what I read of it. After we recorded this podcast, we were saddened to hear of the death of Maya Angelou, who died at her home in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, at the age of 86. She died of heart problems, according to her literary agent. She had been frail and suffering for some time. Uh, We all may know her as the author of such books as I know Why the Caged Bird Sings, which was her first memoir published in 1969. She was also the author of Much Poetry and even um, had many awards, including some Tony Awards for her roles in Roots and many other programs. Um, She was also known for her activism and for her struggle in the civil rights movement. For more information, please see the show notes. Okay, so now that we've um, now talked that, we've about done that, that, should we go on to our book? Move on to our book, our homework <laughs> for this month. We are, com- we are Completely Beside Ourselves by Karen Joy Fowler. Which was apparently nom- nominated for a Nebula
0: award, which really? seems a little strange to me because it's not all that science fictiony,
1: not really, because a lot of people did foster chimpanzees scientists in the seventies. I
0: mean, I guess it is science fiction in the sense that it is fiction about science, but
1: yeah, but it's not like <laughs> futuristic or some kind of strange science that hasn't been that hasn't happened yet. So
0: hmm. I don't believe that she won the Nebula. No, she didn't win. But <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that she that that book was
1: nominated. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> didn't know that. Hmm. So I hadn't read the book before we did the podcast, and I wasn't really sure what to think about it. I guess it was okay. I liked it. I don't think it's going to be one of those books that I just went, "Wow, this is so fascinating." Um. I thought it was very interesting, and it made me think a lot about – it made me, I guess, think a lot about growing up. But I guess as an only child, it was hard for me to relate because I didn't have brothers and sisters. And so I couldn't really – I don't know. It was hard for me to relate to the struggles that they all went through. Um, but I did I enjoy uh, Rosemary and thinking about, well, is a lot of what she says – is a lot of what she's remembering did it did it really happen that way, or has her you know the memories and her repression of them colored the way she's actually remembering them? did it really happen differently or not
0: right, which I like you know like I, that's the kind of unreliable narrator I can deal with, like one that mm-hmm. knows she is and right. <laughs>
1: Right. Being she honest knew she was, and she was honest, and I appreciated that.
0: I said I I picked it because we we, we cataloged it. I cataloged it at work, which is how I found out about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would would have discovered it on my own, but that's why I, why I suggested it. Um, and I I'd, I'd read it before like before the podcast when I was feeling very um ambitious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's been a while, <laughs> and I probably should have reread it again, to have a clearer idea of what I wanted to say about it, but right. um, my, I really, I liked it. I thought that it was, um, I do have siblings, so um, I, I thought the family dynamics were really interesting. Um, there were things that were a little, like, there were things that were definitely a little weird, like like, the whole presence of Harlow. After a while, she just got on my nerves. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> and and I, you know... I don't know. Like, there's this one moment where she's like, yeah, my brother's crazy. But I, you know, I didn't want to tell you that because I love him and, you know, it's not really fair to... You know... So, I, I like, I liked that, that basically she was a... She... Like, Rosemary does all the things that we would probably do <laughs> when talking about our family or even writing about them. Um, so like I found her, I, f- I found her a really engaging narrator and um, I thought that the, the, the chimpanzee stuff was obviously really fascinating. Although I, I really wish that that hadn't been in the, the Bard annotation because it wasn't in the book jacket, um, at least not the description I saw on Goodreads, so I like I think it would have been better, a better reading experience if I'd mm-hmm. gone in without knowing that's what it was. I agree. And then it would have been like when it was revealed that Fern was a chimpanzee, it would have been like, oh! Shocking surprise! Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you haven't read the book, I just spoiled the hell out of it <laughs> for you, but that's okay, because if you got it from Bard, you would have been spoiled about that anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like, since I was, t- like... Like, I, I don't know, it just really bothered me that the bard description, like, mentions the chimpanzee, but then the book, like, doesn't really talk about Fern being a chimpanzee until, like, you're in it for about an hour. Yeah. And it kind of would have been nice to have had that surprise, is mm-hmm. all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought the, the family dynamics were really interesting, and it made you think a lot about, you know, what would happen um, if, if Fern had been a human sister, And, you know, the parents had had problems. There had been problems between the two siblings. Obviously, the problems would not have been the same. But, what you know, their way of dealing, the parents' way of dealing with the problems that were between Fern and Rose was to, well, send Fern away. Well, how would they have dealt with them if there were two human siblings? Right. They couldn't have sent one of them away. They would have had to do something something else it wouldn't have been so simple not that 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 it was simple but
0: i think what was really interesting to me was like how like it made me want to know more about like the non-fiction aspects of like what actually happened with all those people that fostered chimpanzees because it like it doesn't sound like a, a thing that would have been very sustainable
1: no it doesn't and i i i've just can't even imagine how someone would think that would have been sustainable. It just—it well, doesn't, doesn't even seem to, like it would work.
0: I liked how the book kind of dealt with it, where like you know everybody basically got. I mean, it wasn't really a happy ending, but it was the closest she could really get.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think so too. I think that was a a very good way to end the book. It wasn't. It wasn't happy. It wasn't idyllic, but it was. It was the best that could be. The best that could be arranged. And I was, speaking of not happy things that were found out in the book, um, I was sad to hear about uh, some of the chimpanzees that she had found out about in the book uh, and, and was going to check on that because some of them that, you know, they had, they had said they had um, sent back out in the wild and there was a movement to do that in the 80s that I did know about um, and one of the chimps in particular that I had heard about was Lucy, the one that um, that they talked about that um, that one that they talked about uh, was sent back to the the Gambia in the late eighties. And I remember reading about about her actually when it was happening. Um, the graduate student who took her back wrote an article in um, Ranger Rick's Nature Magazine that I remember reading um, after she went back with. You know, the, the troop that she took back. And um, at the end of the article, it seemed like all of them had been integrated fairly successfully. And it turns out that most of them actually died. And so that was like very sad for me to hear because I remember hearing about them and how it seemed like, you know, they were all successfully more or less Uh, you know, back into the wild, I guess. When the article was published, she was still working with them. It it wasn't like, you know, she had left them there. But they were still working together. And then um, when I read the book, um, I guess all of them, or most of them were, and had ended up being killed in one way or another. So that was very, like, distressing Yeah, read that. Um, That's very distressing. That was sad. But, um, yeah, and I, I just, I thought about, all the things that we do in the name of science that end up being so cruel that we we don't even we don't even think about the the cruelties that we inflict on others in the name of knowledge and learning and experimenting
0: it and made me it think
1: really did of, I don't know you
0: do you, do you remember there were these children's books um, and all i remember was that it was about coco the gorilla uh-huh
1: um, I remember Coco. Made a me think about that. I wonder what happened to Coco. <laughs> I think she's still alive. If I if I remember correctly. Um, Although I think she was in a zoo,
0: so it was probably not like not the same thing at all. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, like she was in a research facility, so I think it was like a little bit different. And she was born in a zoo and like lived at Stanford. Stanford in a special lab, and you know, it was basically a lab animal. So I think it was a little bit different. But I don't know much beyond, you know, beyond that. Although, I mean, because from the beginning, her, her deal was, you know, they wanted to see how many, how many signs she could learn. So she was brought up to be an experimental, experimental animal. She wasn't like fostered with a family or, or anything like that. And I'm not sure if she's still alive or not. Yeah, something to Google. Something to Google. Something to Google Indeed. Um, anyway, so, but, um, yeah, I I just, I think, um, you know, not all the characters in the book were likable. I think they were all very flawed and very human. And that's what made me really engaged in the book was that it had yeah. very human, very sort of imperfect characters in it. And, um, you know, that's why I, that's one of the reasons why I found myself really enjoying it, despite the fact that it, I don't think it's one of those books that I'm going to come back to again and again, but, um, no, you know, I really enjoyed it. And it got me thinking about, you know, the fact that, that Rose was really no different than any of us. She thought she was different from everyone and that, you know, she, especially when she was in college, you know, she said, well, I couldn't find myself, who am I, you know, all this kind of thing. And then she realized, well, maybe everyone's the same way. Maybe we're all just looking for ourselves and we really can't. You know, it takes us a long, some of us a long time to find out who we are. And then, you know, towards the end, she, she figures, you know, she seems to figure things out. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, that it, it finds things that, that work out for her. Uh, and so that's, you know, that it finds, finds a way of life that, that does work for her i I just I really did enjoy it. I think it was you know about good people trying to do the right thing, and some of them ended up going down paths that we wouldn't think of as very safe or sane, kind of like you know Lowell or maybe Harlow. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we don't know that the girl with him was Harlow, but there's the suspicion that that it was um but um but you know. I, I think that uh, I think it was good and I enjoyed it. And I'm glad that I read it. So next month. Next um, month. You're reading somebody that you know personally. Yes. Um, A friend of mine named Elisa Lorello is an author, and she has a book on Bard called Adulation. We are going to be reading it. I would have picked another book, but that is the only book that is currently on Bard. So that's the one we're reading. (laughs) We're reading. (laughs) Um, So um, her name is Elisa, E-L-I-S-A-L-O-R-E-L-L-O, and the book is called Adulation, and it's about uh, a woman who is a college professor who meets a guy she used to know in college, and I think used to be in love with, if I'm not mistaken. And they talk about what makes them successful. And there may be a little bit of romance in there. I don't know. I haven't read it. Um, This is one of her first books, I do believe, or was. And um, we'll be reading that book this month, and we will be back next month to discuss it. Sounds good. And uh, then, let's see... Then next month, well, who knows? Ah. We haven't got there yet. No. It's too no. far in the future to even think about.
0: <laughs>
1: Especially for But if me. you have
0: suggestions. Exactly.
1: You can send us emails at podcast at, at g- g-mail. And if you want to send us a tweet, please tweet book orders. And if you want to send us a blog post or comment on our blog, the website is bhapodcast.com. Oh, and if you want to tweet me personally, you can do that at Aaron Edgar. And
0: I'm at Bardsong on Twitter. And if you want to visit my blog, it's flightintofantasy.com, where this next month we will be doing an experiment in trying to have a blog-type uh, book club, because apparently I can't say no to book clubs.
1: Oh, and dear. We'll,
0: cool. We'll be reading a... Um, it's a, it is called the Rifter. It is a ten-part serial novel by somebody named Gin Hale. It's a portal fantasy kind of thing, which means like you know, dude gets sucked into a fantasy world from our own. Oops! And uh, it, it's uh, it, it's a uh, gay fantasy, so the two you know primary characters are men, and they presumably over the ten-part serial fall in love and. We're going to do a part every week, so it'll probably it won't be, like, the whole month of June. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll be, like, the whole summer. Um, but, and, like, each part is, like, two ninety nine. but I bought the whole thing and figured that that was the only way I was going to read it, is <laughs> if <Okay. laughs> people held me accountable. So that's what's happening.
1: <laughs> there you go. And you can find me most every Sunday night on the Phoenix, the-phoenix.net, doing the melting pot. It is 6 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. in the U.K., uh, and that will be, uh, yeah, on the Phoenix. So check that out as well. And meanwhile, we will see you next time. Happy reading, everyone. Bye. Bye. To contact the book hoarders, send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow book hoarders on Twitter. Call us at 520 books 520-812-6657. And visit the website at bhapodcast.com.